Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. How are you guys doing? It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A wonderful day in the neighborhood. That's a different program, right? <laughs> I don't know where that come from. Okay, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for just being here for us and working in us and through us. Thank you for for the days we get to celebrate and the days we get to celebrate you and the days that we just get to live and breathe and be in you. And so we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you speak um, speak through me this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm going to get to the word pretty quickly. But it's a wonderful holiday. Are you guys excited? You, yeah! Woohoo! So we get to celebrate. We're cel- celebrating a holiday called Shavuot. You're like, Uh, This is Memorial Day weekend, right? (laughs) It is, but it's also Shavuot. Anybody ever hear of the Bible where um, it's where Moses come down and gave the Ten Commandments? But after Jesus rose again, there was 50 days in between, right? So as Christians, we call it Pentecost, right? So so that was when... um, so now here's Shavuot. Now on Shavuot is when Moses come down from the mountain and he said, hey, here's, here's the law. He's, he's like, like, keep it all, right? They say, yeah, I will. And guess what happened? 3,000 people got killed, right? When the law come down, what happened? 3,000 people died. So 50 days later on the very, or years, years later, but 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection, guess what happens? He says, I want you to go, and I, got, I want you guys to go all ride in the same car. Because it said, said they, were, they were gathered together in one accord, right? So obviously they, they liked the, the uh, Japanese models, right? So they were in one accord in the upper room. And Jesus told them, he's like, I want you to tarry. I want you to wait on me, and I want you to hang out. And as you hang out, guess what's going to happen? I don't know what's going to happen. He said, the, he said the Holy Spirit's going to fill you. And so what happened? They hung out in the supper room and they prayed and they waited on God and they, they were waiting. And then on Pentecost or Shavuot, guess what happened? The Holy Spirit fell. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And God saved. And through that, Peter gave one of the greatest sermons ever. And then 3,000 people came to Jesus, and were baptized. Not, not amazing. So when the law come, three thousand people died. But when the Holy Spirit fell and they had the revelation of Jesus, guess what happened? Three thousand people were saved. It's pretty incredible how the Bible always interprets the Bible, and God always is telling you, "Hey, this is what's going to happen." And it's not like coincidence. Oh, oops, I didn't mean for that to happen. You know, God sneezes and three people fall off the earth or something, you know. 
And so there, whoop, there goes New York City. God sneezed, you know. Oops, he didn't mean to do that, right? There's, there's no coincidence in the word. It all comes from, from God. God. God's not, he's not, um, not just, just riding on the seat of his pants. Like, like I kind of do that a lot of times. Right, to be honest with you, I, like especially with, with horses, and it taught me a lot. You know, sometimes you get go off the seat of your pants, but God ain't like that. And so He's intentional. He's intentional in what He does. He's intentional in what He says, and He's intentional in how He loves you. I love it in because um, in Romans we're talking about how in hope against all hope, Abraham believed God. In what? In hope. In hope. Against all hope, Abraham believed God. And then it took me back. I was remembering the scriptures in Jeremiah. And um, I was talking about it a, a little bit last week, too, in Jeremiah 31, where, where God's promising to restore a people that had no hope. A people who were living in a land that looked like it was hopeless and that there was no not much going on from there. And... And so God's encouraging him. And I love what he's saying because he's saying this, you know, where you're at right now, not where you're going to be. What it looks like right now is not what it's going to look like in the future. Just because you're going through this right now, I have a plan that's way bigger and better than you ever, ever thought. In fact, he even gave him a clue in Jeremiah 29 when he said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now this was a people that were going through a lot, man. They'd lost everything they had. They'd been ransacked, and it looked like there was no hope at all in their life. And God's saying, hey, I know the plans that I have for you. They're plans of good. They're plans of hope. They're plans of a future. I have a future plan for you. I love that. We're in um, Memorial Day also, which is kind of funny how it kind of coordinates. But I was thinking of Memorial Day. I was like, I remember when I was a little kid, I always looked forward to Memorial Day because, number one, it meant we were out of school. Like, like down south, you're out of school around the 20th of May or something like that. And so, yay, no more school, right? So until you got a little bit older and then you got to work in the field, you know, then it wasn't, oh. Yay, I get to make money, you know, <laughs> I get to do things, right? But um, I remember being a little kid, and we'd go with my uncles and my grandmas and my, my grandma and my grandpa and my cousins and my mom and my dad, and we'd go out to, to it's a little town called Longdale in Oklahoma, and, and, um, and so we'd go out to the boat docks, called Longdale Boat Docks on Canton Lake, and I always remember going there because um, it was one of the funnest things in the world to do. So as kids, we'd all, we'd all go around there and we'd swim and we'd play and we'd have fun, but I'd watch my grandma and grandpa. And I'd watch my mom and my dad and my uncles and those, but they'd sit around and they'd talk. But they would talk and they would remember. They would remember this person or that person or this family member or that family member. And one of the other traditions was we'd go around and we'd put flowers on the graves of, our, of, of the deceased. And so it really instilled in me that it's important to remember. Remember where you come from. Remember who you are. And remember that, that 
you're not just here by coincidence. There's people who paved the way. One of my uncles died in World War II. And so um, they'd go and we'd listen to taps play, you know, as they would play it on there. And I remember there was a cost for that freedom that I had. And I learned it at a very early age, and I'm thankful for that. But there's another freedom that was bought for us. And I think so much of the time we forget about it. And it's a freedom that Jesus paid for us. Because, see, we get to remember, and we're supposed to remember those who are dead, and so really hard to remember Jesus because he's not dead, right? So this really isn't his holiday, but he did die for us, and he rose again. And so we get to remember he paid the ultimate price so that we can live. He paid the ultimate price so that we can um, have a life and, and trust him and live in him and, and, just, and just flow with him, right? So he tells them, he's like, they're in the middle of mourning. And maybe some people are in the middle of mourning too. Maybe you're out there. You're going through a hard time. Maybe you're mourning a loved one that passed. Maybe they passed a long time ago and you're still mourning it. I want to tell you something. He's going to turn your heart if you'll just give that to him and just let him say, hey, I'm going to feel that and, and let you take that, Father, but I hurt. I need your healing. I need your touch. And you know what he's going to come in? He's going to give you a promise. And this is a promise he says. I will turn your mourning into gladness. Who will? Watching TV will? The government will? Uh... He will. He says, I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort for joy. Instead of sorrow, I will satisfy the priest with abundance, and my people will be filled with bounty. Now, there, there, there's a promise, right? For people who are hurt and who are down and who are beat up. And then I love going over here to Jeremiah 31 because he's talking about a different time. And he's like, like remember, you, you, maybe you're here. Maybe you're, all you can think about is all my life I've been going through some hard things. All my life it's been tough. All my life there's been no hope. But God's like, I want you to remember something bigger than me or bigger than you. That's me. I want you to remember something that's greater than you. And that's me. I've got plans for you and they're plans of goodness and plans of hope. Will you trust me? And so... He, he, in the midst of all this heartache and all this turmoil, here Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, comes around. And I love that this comes through Jeremiah because it says in Jeremiah 31, 31, it says this. A time has come, and declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. Okay, now listen again. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. When who will make a new covenant? God will. God said, I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This 
Like, I, I love watching car shows, and there's this dude, like, on, I usually watch him on, like, um, YouTube. And so, like, I, you can see all kinds of different cool cars, and there's this dude, his name is Doug DeMuro. And, like, he, he made, like, $38 million making these YouTube videos where he gets and goes through all these cars, and he's like, there's the quirks, and here's the features, and look at this, and show you. But he always gets up, and he go, goes, goes, this is a Lamborghini. This is a Honda. This is it, and you know what he's doing when he's saying that? He's presenting something. He's saying, I'm, I'm Doug, but this is what we're here to focus on. This is what you're here to watch the program for. This has some importance to it. And so that's what God's like. He's on YouTube. It's like, hey guys, look. So they, they bring him in, they put the big screen up, right? They're like, okay, guys, gather around, right? Because this is what God's saying. He's saying, this is a covenant I will make with you. It's pretty powerful. This is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. And you know what he says the covenant is? He says, you're going to do good. You're going to be perfect, and you're going to follow the law to a T. And if you don't, you know what's going to happen? You're going to die. No, he didn't say that. Oh, I got the wrong, I got the wrong covenant, don't I? Right? Said, said, as long as you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad. No, he didn't. He said, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that day, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. Where is he going to put it? In our minds and in our what? In our hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. That's pretty powerful, right? Brings me back to to a day when before he was their God and they're like, you're not good enough. We don't need you to be our king. We want a man. And then they give him Saul. From Saul they go to to David, who God chose, right? But they had God himself, the king of the universe, as their king, and he wasn't enough. That always strikes me as funny, but he's like, I will write, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. That's a pretty good covenant. Right? I always think it's funny, though. Like, you know how we're a Baptist church, right? But then you got Pentecostal churches. But even if you're Baptist, you still believe that Pentecost happened. But if you're Pentecostal, you still believe in baptism, right? So I guess we're all Baptist, Pentecostal believers or whatever we are. You know, we get so caught up in a name that it's really about what God did in it, right? But he says, for I will forgive their, their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. So there's another dude, as um, I want to go back over into Luke because I was in there last week and I didn't get finished up. But um, 
I'm going to go to Luke 1, 8, and it says this. When Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Another, here's like we were talking about Hagar not too long ago, right? And the angel appears to her and She's not afraid. But here, here's Zechariah. He's in the temple sacrificing, getting ready, preparing for the sacrifices, doing his work in the house of God where God is, and he's startled when an angel appears to him. Like if you're going to see an angel, don't you think that might be one place where you might see an angel? Right? Duh, dude. Like you're like, good Lord, come on. But here, it, it always talks about how, how they get afraid. Almost every other time that angel appeared to someone, they, they had to say, do not be afraid, except Hagar. That tells me a lot about Hagar, right? Just to bring that up from the past, right? Because it's Memorial Day. Right? Do not be afraid. Oh, where am I at? It's, do not be afraid, right? But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. So there's a lot right there. Because there's a lot in their names. And what God's talking about in names. And I'm going to go back, back through that here in a second. But he says, I will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Pretty cool, huh? What a promise. Many of the people of Israel will will he bring back to the Lord, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so here's Zechariah. They've waited all their life to have kids and given up on the idea that they're going to have kids. They're well past the age. Not going to happen. They're hopeless. There's no hope. It's impossible in, in human standards, except if you read the Bible and you see how God works through there. Against all hope, Abraham believed in hope, right? So here's Zechariah, and an angel appears to him and says, Hey, I got something that you've been wanting for a long time. And you know what? Not only do do you want it, but I want you to have it. I want to bless you with it, and I want to change not just your life, but the life of everybody around you. Now, when you think about that, that's, that's really powerful, because he's saying, Zachariah, that thing that you've had in your heart, that's been in your heart so long, guess what? I put that in there. That desire you had for a son, guess what? I put that in there. The Bible says God gives us what? The desires of our heart, right? And so um, I, I thank God for, for those desires. But here Zachariah is. He's in the temple doing his business, and God interrupts him. <laughs> 
right? And so Zechariah is like, thank you. Thank you, God. I've been waiting forever for this moment. Like, I've prayed. You don't know how much we prayed and we fasted. And I read about Abraham and I read about Isaac and I read about all these people and Hannah and and Samuel and all these people in the Bible who you come through for. And now it's my turn. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. He didn't say that. No. Yeah. Do you know what he says? Zechariah asked Daniel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. <laughs> what a stell? You're lying. You liar. Here, I thought you were an angel, but you might be the other kind of angel. Because you're just here to tease me and torment me, you know. Because I got this hope. And now the Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when it comes forth, it's a wellspring of life, right? He had this hope. And there's nothing worse than for someone to come up when you're in, in hurt and you don't have any hope to give you a false hope. Because then you just get to hoping and then it don't come through again. But he says, I got something greater. It's greater than what happened before. In fact, it's going to be greater than what happened with Abraham. It's going to be greater than what happened with Hannah. It's going to be greater than than what's happened with maybe anything before because your son's getting ready to prepare the way for salvation himself. It's not a coincidence. I have ordained this from the beginning of creation, the beginning of time. This is your time. And Zacharias, you liar. Don't give my hopes up. Don't do it. Don't let me hope on something bigger than what I can see, hear, taste, touch, or feel. Don't, don't let me. Don't, don't take me down that road because that's going to take walking by faith, walking by the Spirit, and not walking by the flesh. Am I going to trust you, God, in the midst of what the circumstances look like. The odds may look against me like it did for the people back in Jeremiah's day. It may look hopeless. I'm too old. My wife is too old. He really shouldn't have said that. that Like you never want to say that, right? I can't do it. Doctor said it's impossible. But God. Are you thankful for the but gods? He said, I am an old man and my wife's angel. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and now and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent, not able to speak until the day it happens because you did not believe my words, which come true at the proper time. You know what he really? He's like, you can't call me a liar no more, boy. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to shut your mouth. And so here he is, he's worshiping in the temple, and he comes out. And you know what? They're like, hey! Some people are praying that it happened to me. Please, God. My wife at sometimes, probably, and my kids at sometimes. Some of you at sometimes, too, probably, are like, just shut up, Pastor James. It's too long, right? But here he goes, he walks out. Nothing. Nothing. He can't speak. Maybe it's because, maybe sometimes when we're hurt, 
maybe it's good for us to just be quiet in our own opinions and trust in his. Are we going to trust you, God? Or are we going to trust what we're seeing in this world? Because I promise you, the spirit realm is way more real than this. That lasts forever. This passes away. And everything in it. So meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Can you imagine? He just had this great experience, and he can't tell nobody. He walked out, had this, and he's trying to explain to them, this happened and that happened and all this happened in his arms, his hands. And so finally they had to give him a, a, a chalkboard. When the, his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion, the Lord had done this for me, she said. In these days he has shown me his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. But he didn't just promise a baby, he delivered on it. Watch this in Luke 1, verse 57. It says, When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son, just as God had said, right? Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy and they shared her joy. Can you imagine like when God does great things in your life and you see that thing that, that God put your hope and your desire and that thing that maybe you've longed for, that miracle that you've needed. You know what? When, when God brings it about, everybody else around you sees it. And it just doesn't bless you. It blesses everybody else and that's what was happening they're like wow if God could do that for them then maybe he could do that for me and then on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child and they were going to name him after his father Zechariah but his mother spoke up and said no he is to be called John now that's not the right order Okay, now watch this. His dad, John's dad, Zechariah, he was a priest, right? He's the one who's supposed to speak up and say, this is his name. It was not protocol. It was not how things were done. Do you know why he didn't do that? Because he still couldn't talk. Here the baby's born, and he still can't talk think about that for a minute so he says this no he is to be called John and they said to her now they're arguing with her no this cannot be Elizabeth no 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 this is not what his name's going to be right because you don't have any relatives they, they said this they said to her, no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they, made, then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like. 
to name the child, and he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote his name as John. Now see, if you look in the Hebrew what their names mean, Elizabeth means God's promise. God is my oath. That's her name. And then Zechariah means Yahweh remembers. But you know what John means? John means God's grace. So here, here is God's promise. And then God literally remembers what Zechariah and when they come together, do you know what happens? They see God's grace. When you rest on God's promise, when you remember what he says, it produces the effects of God's grace, but it allows God's grace to roll in your life. And you know, you know who grace really is, isn't John, but it's a person named Jesus. But he named this dude... God's grace. Now that's going to prepare, um, that's going to be what goes before the law. It's what? It's God's grace. He says, I'm preparing John to go before, prepare a way for the Lord. What prepares the way? God's grace. Right? I love that. And so, then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like the name to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, His name is Yochanan, God's grace, John. Immediately, his mouth was opened, and his tongue was loosed. And he began praising God. You know what was really cool about this? It wasn't when he was in the temple and the angel come. I mean, that would be pretty big news for all of us, right? It wasn't when he said, hey, I got this promise for you that he believed. Maybe he did believe after he shut his mouth. But now, he doesn't just see the promise, but he sees the fulfillment of the promise. He doesn't see an angel. He doesn't see an obstacle. But now he sees God's grace. And it's alive. And it's a well. Because immediately... His mouth was open and his tongue was loose and he began to speak, praising God. And the neighbors were filled, all filled with awe. That's they were when I was born too. <laughs> my mom was young with her. She's like, wow, look at him. You know? And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. About all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was upon him. And then 
Zechariah's got a praise for it, and it says his father was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. He's got a lot to say now, because he has come and has redeemed his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said, his holy prophet, his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And then he says this, he blesses his, his child, and he says, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. You will go on before the Lord and prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. See, it didn't happen on a mountain when the law came down. It happened on a cross. And then 50 days later, confirmation when the Holy Spirit fell. And 3,000 people were saved. See, it didn't come by works. It didn't come by law. It didn't come by what you do. But it came by one thing and one thing only. God's grace. God's salvation. And that's Jesus himself. You know, for me, I want to bank on him. If I'm going to bet on anything, I'm betting on him. I know I can trust him. And I know no matter what it looks like, he's still God. And his promises are still true. Amen? I am out of time. Everyone says how. So thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for just being with us. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.